Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X.ca on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. Welcome back, everybody. It's 134 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. And uh, we are at the 630 Chad Studios. It is Game 7 tonight. The Boston Bruins hosting the Toronto Maple Leafs. We had Craig Simpson on the show earlier today. And now we're going to bring in from NBC Sports Boston, a regular uh, guest that we like to... Uh, he knows all things in Beantown, not just hockey. Joe Haggerty, Hacks with Eggs, back in orders now. Joe, how you doing? What's going on, Bob? I try to know all things. That's a tough damn job, though, I tell you. It's bad job for everything. Well, you, got, you know, you got some good teams there. Like, the Red Sox are going good right now. You know, the Patriots, they're not bad most years. Uh, the Celtics, uh, what are they, up 3-2 right now against the Bucks. So, uh, it's an exciting time in Beantown. But how much pressure's on this hockey club right now tonight, Joe? Oh, there's a lot of pressure on them. I mean, I, you know, going into this season, I think if they, you had told them this was a scenario, uh, they'd probably be pretty happy with it and feel like they've taken a good step, given that last year they were just sort of happy to be back in the playoffs. But, you know, given the way the season played out, how well they played the last four months of the year, uh, that they gave up as much as they did to get Rick Nash the trade deadline, it, it felt like there was an investment in this year's team, a big one. And so the stakes go up, the expectations go up. So there, there's there's pressure, and there's certainly pressure on guys like uh, Patrice Bergeron, Tuka Rask, Zane Ochara, you know, players, Brad Marchand, players that have had good Game 7s and players that have had uh, Game 7s that were a little spotty. And as, as an overall team, the Bruins have, uh, you know, a good and bad track record in Game 7, not overwhelmingly good, even though they won a bunch to win the Cup in 2011. Well, and they beat Toronto. And- and beat Toronto, and, and, and there's still players left over from that Leafs team. Not a lot, but still a couple from that 2000, Absolutely. Right? 2013 team. Absolutely. But with, with the window closing for some of these veteran guys, this may be, you know, any year now when you look at it as their best shot to win the Cup, right? You know, it, you can't always count on health, good health and good performance for guys when they're, you know, in their 30s uh, and as they get older. So, you know, everything is sort of in place for them right now to go on a decent run. 
but they're going to have to get past Game 7 in the Leafs to be able to even get a chance to do that. So there's some pressure there for sure. Did you think when Boston was up 2-zip in the series that there would be a Game 7? Nope. I thought it was going to be over. Um, just based on... And, and this is still played out this way for most of the series. Even in the games where the Toronto defense has been able to keep uh, Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak off the score sheet, uh, they're still getting a lot of chances, a lot of shots on net, getting most of what they want. And, you know, the Toronto defense really hasn't neutralized that top line. You know, they've kind of escaped uh, most of these games that they've played with a lot of help from Frederick Anderson, who obviously has been a huge factor in the series and been one of the best players. Uh, in the series, but you know, I, I only started to sense frustration from that line uh, in the last period, period and a half of that game six in Toronto. They started to do things you didn't see earlier in the series, missing the net, trying to be too fine and pick corners against Anderson. You know, maybe the goalie's in their head a little bit, uh, overpassing at times. Certainly trying to do things a little fancier than they would just you know outworking the line that they're up against. So. Yeah, I thought they were going to be able to dictate uh, to the Toronto defense. They'd be able to score when they needed to. Toronto wouldn't be able to stop them. I didn't think Anderson was going to be as good as he's been in a few of the games in the series. So, you know, some of that stuff has surprised me. I still, the thing that comes down to in Game 7 is, are they going to be able to do that for a fourth time to be able to win the series? Yeah. I, I still don't know that they're going to be able to stop that top line and that Anderson's going to play as well as he did in some of those other games in a Game 7 tonight. That's the big question. Was it a Maple Leaf? Or was it a Toronto reporter or a Boston reporter that poked the bear with Pasternak yesterday? <laughs> that was a Boston reporter. That was uh, Matt Talman. That was, he was just basically said, what do you have to do to start scoring again in the series? And he said it in a real like, sort of you know, blunt, kind of uh, 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 adversarial sort of way. So Pasternak just kind of gave him a you know, stupid question. Retort back, which I thought was pretty funny. So, yeah, it was, but I, you know what? It does speak to, you know, there was a little tightness in that Bruins room yesterday when you were talking to some of the players, for sure. You yeah. know, there's, there, there's definitely a feeling like that this has slipped away from the momentum wise and, uh, you know, that they're up against a hot goalie that's kind of confounded them and that they're going to have to come up with something special to win this game tonight. But they played well in the building they're in all year. Um, you know, you expect that given the chances and shots they get that the top line would break through. Maybe they even get some secondary scoring from somewhere else. You would also expect the power play is going to get on track, being back at home and maybe getting a few calls. But, you know, we'll see. It's, I usually have a pretty good feel as to how a game is going to go with the Bruins uh, before you head into it. But with this one, I'm not really sure how it's going to go. I I don't have one uh, feel one way or the other. We'll have to see when they drop the puck. The this transition from... Uh... You know, Claude Julien to Bruce Cassidy exceed the expectations that everybody thought in Boston when it initially happened? Well, yeah, I think so, definitely. You know, it, it, it better matches the personnel that they have and the philosophy they have, which is, you know, being part of the new NHL. It's about youth and speed and skill and creativity. And, you know, we've got to sort of remake the Bruins' image. You know, they're not that big, strong you know, slug it out in the corners, drop the gloves, and, and fight you Bruins on, on most nights. You know, they're more in line with where a lot of the other teams are going, and you see that in the series. You know, it features a lot of speed, a lot of skill, a lot of youth on both teams, and you expect these two teams are going to be playing each other a lot over the years, you know, based on that and the, the rosters that they have. And, you know, Cassidy was a great guy for that. He embraces that. That's kind of his style and his strength and what he's comfortable with, and He's good with the younger players, having worked with most of them uh, in uh -huh. Providence at the AHL level. Yeah. So, you know, 
Go ahead, Bob. No, I was going to say that's uh, we've already addressed that on the show today. You look at Sullivan and Pittsburgh spending time in Wilkesbury, uh, Cassidy knowing the prospects with Boston, and how about that 2014 draft? And Joe, I, I, Craig Simpson agreed with me by the way on Donato. He brought up Donato uh, today uh, earlier in his appearance and just said I'd have that guy going. Um, but you look at that 2014 draft, you get David Pasternak 25th. Right now he's got the best points per game percentage of any player out of that draft year. Marginally ahead of Drysaddle. Drysaddle is a center. Uh, and then yep. you got Donato as a second rounder. You got Heinen as a third rounder who's had a quiet series and has missed some opportunities. And then the other yep. guy they, the other guy they got that I think is a player is Anders uh, Bjork. Who Now is he back from his, is he a scratch or is he still dealing with some issues with the shoulder there? No, I th- he just got out of the sling recently, but he's not nowhere close to playing. He was done for the season okay. uh, after undergoing the surgery. So, no, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, they hit a home run with that draft. That was Keith Gretzky's first draft that he was running for the Bruins. And of course, you know, uh, him being up in Edmonton now, he, he, did, a, he did a great job. Those uh, obviously found the – they were looking for speed and skill in that draft. And that's kind of when they started uh, down this sort of speed, skill, youth uh philosophy and draft and development plan and, and the way they wanted to build the team and you know they hit home runs with all those picks obviously and it speaks to you know Peter Shirelli who was still running the club at that time it speaks to Keith Gretzky and it speaks to the overall plan that they had in place for where they wanted to go you know that was right around the time obviously they had lost Tyler Sagan and they knew they're gonna have to replace some of what he brought to the table and yeah they they done that and then some with uh, Pasternak and the rest of those guys. Well, what's interesting, and, and maybe you can educate our listeners on this, because did when so Shirelli was the GM and Gretzky was the head scout, and that was his draft in 2014, then Peter yep. got uh, taken out on April the uh just before the like April fifteenth, sixteenth, and around that time, and got hired on like April the twenty fourth. So it's it's almost actually it was yesterday. So it was like three years ago yesterday that the Oilers hired him. But my understanding in twenty fifteen is it fair to say that Keith Gretzky did not have the same latitude that he had in twenty fourteen? Do you know if that's the I, case? I think there was yeah. I think there was more a deliberation, more discussion. You know, maybe he got a pick, maybe somebody else got the guy that they wanted to. You know, I think there was a lot more. Uh, of that, for sure, uh, for the rest of his time there. And, and you could tell some of the picks that they made. You know, some of them made sense, and some of them seemed sort of overly conservative or, you know, in a different direction than, than the way they'd gotten. And, you know, the one that I kind of looked at and say, I, I don't think that was a Gretzky pick, was, was Trent Frederick, who, you know, we'll, we'll see how he does and how he turns out. Yep. I think he was a big McAvoy guy, and uh, rightfully so. You know, I know he's struggling in this series, but he looks like he's going to be a number stud. one defenseman. And I think maybe he won out with that kind of a pick. But, you know, Trent Frederick, he kind of talked about right after they picked him as sort of projecting to maybe a third-line center, and he didn't seem so excited talking about it. So uh, I think you put two and two together and may say, say maybe that wasn't one of his picks. And the story I got told in 2015, uh, Jake Jabras, that's a good, they had those three picks in a row, 13, 14, 15, and everybody goes, why didn't Boston take Barzell? Of course, Connor went 17th to the Jets, and he scored 30 this year. Right. Uh, but the story I got told is uh, Cam Neely wasn't taking Matthew Barzell. You ever heard that? Interesting. Yeah. You know what You know what I did here, and I did, I did gather from um, that uh in that combine was that I think Barzal came off kind of cocky and yes. very confident yep. in the interview that he gave with the Bruins. And I do think that was something 
that, you know, didn't quite jive right with uh, the people that were in the room uh, when they talked to him. But you know what? And, and also he had the injury that draft year that I think affected as well, certainly. But, you know, looking back on it now, like, who cares? But it, I'd re- put it this way. I'd rather have a kid that's confident and cocky like a Matthew Barzal that's going to be able to go out there and make plays for you and is a first-round talent than have a kid that's like an introvert, like a Dougie Hamilton and kind of a strange kid hmm. uh, who doesn't interview well either, and you end up taking him because he slides to you, which is something they did with him. So, Well, he, you know. I mean, he's a pretty good player, Dougie Hamilton, but there's something not there's something that doesn't add up wherever he goes. I'll admit to that, Joe. I guess where I'm going here with Boston is you said something there. You said they've changed what they've been about. They've gone to skill, and they're not going away. they got a lot of young. I don't know if Sinitian's going to pan out. That's another one of the guys they took in 2015. I'm not high on Zrobil, but defensemen take a while. To, but they got good young forwards in depth there that, that they're going to be able to transition the guys up front. They do. And, you know, they're probably not going to be able to re-sign a guy like Riley Nash, uh, who's been great for them the last couple of years, but he's coming off a career year this year and uh, is probably going to get a decent contract as a free agent. And, you know, players like that, they're probably not going to sign Rick Nash, I would think, at this point, unless he uh, scores three goals tonight and rips it up to the rest of the playoffs. Uh, you know, so you're talking about they're going to have to have some youthful players that are going to come in and replace uh, fill some of those uh, veteran spots, and, and they have them and then some, and you're right. Uh, Boral and Sinitian are kind of not lighting it up uh, at the AHL level. It, their jury is out on them. Sinitian was the one that they, you know, it wasn't so much DeBrusque instead of Barzal. Yeah. Sinitian was the guy that a lot of people questioned taking him instead of Barzal with that final of the three first-round picks. And Sporl, it was a difficult circumstance. I know Don Sweeney wanted to trade up and get Noah Hannafin or get Zach Wierenski yeah. uh, in that draft. And then Sporl was the first of the defensemen kind of on that next year. Wasn't the ideal guy that they wanted, but they took him anyway. And, and whenever you're doing that in the first round, it's usually not a good thing when you're chasing a position like that. So, you know, that's kind of what happened there. But you're right. Even though they've maybe missed on a couple of those picks, uh, or, you know, the jury still remains out, they they had a slew of picks over a three- or four-year span, some very deep drafts. They've got tons of prospects. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with what you were saying before. If I were a Bruce Cassidy, I probably would have played uh, Ryan Donato tonight, knowing he's an offensive finisher, and you need that against Anderson, and you could use a spark in the power play as well. And he, he did both of those at the end of the season when he was there. And so why is he not in there? Do, why, what, do you think is – why do you think they're not uh, – Defensive uh, – Defensively, he's a little bit of a liability, not the, the strongest guy along the boards. I think in a game seven where you don't want to make mistakes and, and uh, have players out there that are going to be weak links, the other team's going to be able to kind of go after and exploit. I, I think that's what it comes down to. I think it was concerned he wasn't going to be able to hold his own in all three zones, uh, and you know they're going to be chasing the offense with him. And you know, Heinen's a much better two-way player and a, and a more experienced guy at the pro level. And he's still skilled, obviously. He had, yeah. he had a great rookie year offensively. So I, I, I think the feeling is, is that they just didn't want to take the risk with Donato. But if I were them, I would have found a place to kind of hide him in the lineup and, and you know tried to put him in offensive spots where maybe he gets a goal for you in a big game. D- is there anything – I know it was five years ago. I was in Disneyland five years ago because you recall the Leaf-Boston series was coming out of the lockout, right, in 12-13. Yep. So we were in the middle of May when that uh, – yep. 
series was being played. And I mean, Toronto's up 4 1. And I, I remember I was watching the ESPN Sports Zone in Anaheim, and people were in shock. They couldn't believe it, right? That Boston was in that position. And then the Bruins rallied, and the rest is. Do you think there's anything to that that maybe, you know, guy, because guys like Bergeron, uh, Chara, uh, you know, Brad Marchand, they've, been, they've experienced this before uh, for the Leafs? Gardner and Caudry, or do you think there's far too much turnover for that to even be relevant? You know, I, I can't speak to what's in the Leafs' heads. I don't know them well enough to know if they're it's hanging around with them. And I would think on some level it has to be, but I have no idea whether it's motivation for them or if it's uh, here we go again thing. If they find themselves in a similar position, uh, you know, in the third period of a game tonight. But I, the one thing you can speak to with the Bruins is that good or bad. Zidane Ochar is going into his 12th game seven in his NHL career, which is the active leader among all NHL players. Three Spurgeon is going into his 10th game seven. You know, there's a bunch of players that have played in these before, had good results, had bad results, and pretty much seen everything under the sun. While it's a lot, there's a lot of youth and a lot of guys that haven't played in too many of those on the side of the Leafs. I think that's the, one of the big deciding factors in Boston's advantage in the series is that they have a ton of playoff experience and guys that have been there in big games. And you would expect and hope that something like that, if you're a Bruins fan, shows up tonight. And, you know, I, but the mitigating factor here is there's definitely something wrong with Patrice Bergeron, upper body-wise. He's playing through it. He's still playing pretty well, but he's not quite the same. I think there's definitely something still wrong with Charlie McAvoy's knee. He has not been the same in this series either. And you're starting to see, like, some of the key players for the Bruins not up to their normal level, and you, you wonder if they're still going to be able to win with those guys not being able to get there. They should. Uh, but we'll see what happens tonight. One final one for you. Bit of a curveball. Everybody loves their own anthemist, right? Rene Rancourt. <laughs> is this, I, I, I'll be honest, and maybe it's because I'm an old school Montreal Canadiens fan from the late 1970s, Joe. I was never a big Rancourt guy, okay? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's emotional. It's your guy. And uh, this could be it for him, too, couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If they lose tonight, then this is it. This is, uh, his final time doing the anthem. And it'll, you know, he's an institution there. He's been doing this forever. People associate the Bruins with uh, Rene Rancourt, Rene Rancourt with the Bruins. And, you know, he's been, uh, he had the anthem uh, when they're the first game back from the marathon bombing. He's had right. the anthem, you know, way back in the day with the old school Bruins teams all the way up until now. There's so much history there. You kind of have to appreciate, you know, what he's meant to the sure. city and what he's meant to that franchise. Uh, you know, but I, I do admit there have been some acts that have come in and played, and I think they're auditioning some people as to who's going to replace them or how they're going to do it. That I really like too. You know, there, there's a uh, an acapella group uh, that's a bunch of Irish brothers, and uh, they've done it a few times, and I've seen them actually in concert opening up for other people, and they're phenomenal. So, like, they've got some really great choices to go with when Renee does hang it up. So, you'll go from an old standby in an institution that makes you feel good to something that's pretty new and exciting so i you know renee had a great run but it's probably time and i think he's admitted as much as well joe i just got this text from epstein's mother and he says i'm gonna go <laughs> with the new act uh i'm gonna go with whoever whitey bulger wants <laughs> there you go yeah always go with the white hill gang that's uh, that's uh, that's probably the way to go you never go wrong hey enjoy the game tonight thanks for your time joe you got it, guys. Take care, buddy. You bet. That's Joe Haggerty out of Boston. It's 152 in Edmonton. We'll be back with uh, this day in Oilers history when we return on Oilers now.
When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Portions of Oilers Now brought to you by World Floor Coverings. Tell them Oilers Now since you received two times zero miles, reward miles in your flooring purchases at World Floor Coverings where they know a little about hockey and a lot about flooring. Best Pizza in City, still making a great Royal Pizza. Multiple locations in Edmonton to serve you, including the original Royal Pizza in Old Strathcona. Royal Pizza, Edmonton owned and operated 48 years. Stoffer recommendation at royalpizza.ca, the Mediterranean chicken. To this day in Oilers history for New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company. Again, they got a great Oilers now. Road trip to Europe this fall. Visit newwesttravel.com. Here we go. April 25th, 1985, Wayne Gretzky, three goals, seven points. The Oilers hammer the Winnipeg Jets, 8-3 to sweep the Smythe Division final. That's this day in Oilers history for New West Travel. Again, we got the Oilers now roadie to Sweden and Germany this fall. Visit newwesttravel.com. Brendan, what's Dave Campbell got coming up tonight on Inside Sports? Rob Brown will be on. Uh, Jock Wilson out of Calgary as the uh, 2019 Grey Cup was awarded to uh, the Stampeders today. And uh, boxer Adam Braidwood. All right. Uh, for the uh, texter at 630-630 on our West Sox Ford text line, asking about Todd Nelson. He's currently the head coach, Grand Rapids Griffins in the American Hockey League. He won the Calder Cup last year. Up next, the news, weather, traffic update with uh, Eileen Bell, followed by the 630 Jet Afternoon News. With Jalen and I and Andrew Gross. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. I took my love, took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around. And I saw my reflection in snow covered hills till the landslide brought me down. Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child within my heart rise above? Can I sail through the changing ocean tides? Can I handle the seasons of my Offer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched.